The Church of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, is pleased to bring you today's edition of Shi'ar Jeshub, featuring the teaching ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and we are in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16, where the prophet Samuel is told to fill his horn with oil and go to Jesse's house in Bethlehem. God has seen a king for himself among Jesse's sons to replace Saul, and Samuel is to anoint the one God names to him. When we left off last time, Pastor Greg had related how God rejected Jesse's son Eliab, whose appearance and stature was such that Samuel thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. God tells Samuel, The Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now let's rejoin my husband as he concludes this Heavenly Authority Sunday message. Verse 8 of 1 Samuel. So Jesse called Abinadab, another son of Jesse, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Verse 9, Then Jesse made Shammah, another son, pass by. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Notice something here. You know, each one's coming before. That one's not selected. This one. Jesse's household is selected, but then this son is not selected. This son is not selected. This son is not selected. What does it sound like? Should give us a flashback to the Urim and the Thummim. Right? How it would select and show, choose the tribe, choose the clan, choose the individual. Notice now how the prophet is standing in the place of the Urim and the Thummim. Samuel there, listening to the voice of God as a prophet, becomes almost like those two crystals in the breastplate of the high priest's ephod. And he's receiving the selection of the Lord through prophecy, which before was given through Urim and Thuman. Then we read in verse 10, Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? None of them are chosen. One of Jesse's sons is chosen, but none of these seven are all the young men here. Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is, keeping the sheep. A consecration of the heart. What a difference. He's the youngest. He's not the oldest. He's not the one with great bearing like Eliab. And he's there doing the menial work. He was the last one that his father thought would be the one that was chosen. Because the father didn't even bother to bring him in and present him before Samuel. The least likely, the one left to tend the sheep, to do the menial work. But he's the chosen one. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. We're not going to sit down. We're not going to have the sacrifice. We're not going to eat until he comes in. He has to see him. David in the fields tending the sheep was being prepared by God. God 
was choosing the lowly son, the least likely son, and preparing his heart. And as a shepherd, someone would say, well, doing the work of having to tend the sheep, how is that a preparation for being a king? Remember, David, when he is a king, as he praises God, and he's writing out these psalms, some when he was younger, others as he was king, he was writing them out, giving them to Asaph and the Levitical priests to sing before God. The book of Psalms, which we have to this day, he could understand when he wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He could write the wonderful psalm about the Lord being the shepherd because he understood. And his caring for those sheep, he understood how God cares for his people. And that made him a good king that he cared for the people. Remember on the threshing floor later on when he saw the plague that was coming, he said, let it be upon me and my family. God's wrath and the wrath would come upon his descendant, Jesus Christ, to bear our sins. It made him a good king that he understood what it was like to be a good shepherd. And he would set, through the anointing of the Spirit, the example of the good shepherd that would be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Obviously, while David was out there under the heavens taking care of those sheep, he had a lot of time to think and to meditate and to pray and to understand and think about God. And that was a quality that was needed now in this king of Israel, not just one that would go to war, though David's going to have great success and victory in war. Matter of fact, because he's a man of bloodshed, he's not allowed to build the temple of peace. But David was more than a warrior as Saul. David was a man that thought and prayed and considered and meditated day and night on God. And I think that was started in preparation on the hills as he tended those sheep. So a preparation that we might think is least likely for authority, God uses and chooses for his anointed. Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. Jesse must have been shocked. The possibility that it could be David never even crossed his mind. Verse 12, so he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy. That word means he was reddish. Reddish in hair or reddish in complexion. With bright eyes or literally beautiful eyes or a beautiful countenance. And it says, and good looking. He had fine appearance. So it doesn't mean that because the heart is right, that the person has to be ugly. It doesn't mean, well, because the liar was so overwhelming in appearance that God's choice has to be pathetic. But God doesn't concern himself with those outward things. He looks at the heart. And David is a fine-looking young man also. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. It's God's choice. Arise and anoint him. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, even as Joseph is chosen in the midst of his brothers by dream, even as Jesus is anointed in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. From that point on, the Spirit of God 
comes upon David, and then Samuel finishes what he has to do when he goes back home. Remember, Ramah is his home. After being anointed king, we're not going to read it now, but later on down in verse 19, when Saul sends messages to Jesse to have David come to his home, David is with the sheep. So after being anointed king, David goes right back and returns to tending the sheep. And God's going to work it out that as David is the anointed one to replace Saul, he'll replace him without rebelling against him. Saul's the one that's actually going to be murderous against David, and David will constantly try not to hurt Saul. So God will make the replacement. He's chosen, and it'll be many years before he's actually king. And he'll use the circumstances of Saul's life to bring it about that when David replaces Saul, uh, it's in a respectful way. Both Saul and David, and we'll finish with this today, both Saul and David are anointed. We've read about it. The Spirit comes down both upon Saul. We've seen him prophesy. Is Saul also among the prophets? And comes down upon David. And David's going to play the wonderful music on the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Both Saul and David sin. We've seen Saul sin. We'll read about David's terrible sin. But there's a great difference in these two kings that comes down to the heart. David sins, but then he repents. And it's a true repentance because he loves God's Spirit. He's tasted the Spirit of God, and so he cries out in Psalm 51, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my transgressions. Against you, you only have I sinned and done evil in your sight. And he goes on to say, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Having tasted of the spirit, David could not live without God's spirit. And having sinned, he repented. He wanted to be washed and cleansed because he needed, he loved, he desired the presence and the spirit of God. But Saul, who had been anointed, treated the Spirit of God with contempt and was concerned with his own honor and his own position. Two men, very similar things happen in their lives, but reacting ultimately with a different heart toward God. God works all things to the good of those who love him. For as he foreknew, foreknew what? They would love him, so he predestined. As he predestined, so he called. And as he called, so he justified and he glorified. He foreknows. He's seen a king for himself. Is David perfect? No. Will David sin? Yes, terribly. Will he bear the consequences of it? Yes, yeah, it's going to tear his family apart. But he's seen the heart of this young shepherd boy that as he pours out his love upon him, he will be beloved back. And David does love God, and so he is a man after God's 
own heart. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your scriptures. We pray, Father, that we would learn from them, that we would understand your choosing, your appointing, Lord God, how the most important thing we can bring before you is a broken, contrite heart that loves you and desires everything you have for us and appreciates your generous spirit. Father, we pray that you would breathe in your church leaders, Lord God, like David, leaders that would not sin like David, but that would have the heart of David to love you and repent and, and desire all that you have. Father, look now upon this world and see for yourself the people in the next generation, Lord, that you will send out to preach your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us today. You have been listening to the teaching ministry of Greg Scalzo, pastor of Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut. We know it is terribly difficult to find the time to write in today's fast-paced world, but if you could find the time to drop us a postcard, your words of encouragement would be a real blessing. Our address is Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. And as always, we welcome you to join us at our church service. Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Madison Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Take I-95 to exit 61. Go south to Route 1. Turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. May the Lord's presence overflow in your life as you serve Him.